You're listening to episode 20 of the Musicpreneur Mindset Podcast. Hey, we're Sub Radio. You're listening to the Musicpreneur Mindset Podcast. Here's your host, Suze, founder of the Rockstar Advocate. Hey there, you're listening to episode 20, Musicpreneur Spotlight, Cypha Sounds. I'm your host, Suze, a mindset coach to help musicpreneurs build sustainable careers in music. If you told me last year I'd have a podcast, I'd say, yeah, sure, definite possibility. If you then told me hip-hop radio heavyweight turned improv trailblazer Cypha Sounds would be a guest on said podcast, I'd tell you to stop playing and that I don't like games. When I was going to school and still listening to the radio, there was rarely a morning that went by that I didn't tune into Hot 97. From his Saturday morning show, Cypher Saturdays, to his show with Paul Rosenberg and Kay Fox, a black, a Puerto Rican, and a Jew, Cypher was a never-miss for me. He has broken artists like Rihanna and Rick Ross and has been the go-to DJ for legends over the years, from Little Kim to J-Lo to Jay-Z and Dave Chappelle. I'd see Cypher on MTV from time to time and always thought he'd be someone who'd be fun to chill with, you know, in that imaginary sense. Last year, looking like a hot mess from a bad winter storm, I trekked down to 8th Street in New York City to support some friends who were performing a rap battle on Huffington Post's Black Voices. Little did I know I'd be asked to be on camera for the performance, and Cypher Sounds would end up being the special guest. I immediately thought I'd miss a chance to shake the hand of someone I grew up listening to, all because I felt underdressed and ill-prepared because I didn't have business cards on me. A lesson to you all, and something I allowed myself to forget that day— It's not about business cards. It's about making a human-to-human connection. Luckily, my friends I was there to support wouldn't allow me to hang in the shadows and force me to introduce myself. We quickly got to talking about structure and healthy habits, and then I mentioned my book, The Rockstar Life Planner. I may not have had business cards, but I had brought two books with me for my friends. I immediately told them they'd have to share a copy, and I handed one to Saif. He politely took it and complimented me on putting it together and then called his friend over from Tidal and asked if I'd send the agency a few copies to check out. We exchanged numbers and we said we'd keep in touch, but I truly believe that would be the last time I would see him. I've been in this business long enough that I no longer get excited about certain possibilities. There's a lot of smiling and congratulating and well-wishing in this business that never amounts to anything substantial. Luckily, Saif isn't the type to waste his time being fake. As you'll hear from our talk in a moment, he's all about building relationships and leading with honesty and authenticity. It's what's enabled him from going from a touring DJ to a national radio host to a trailblazer who's merging hip-hop with comedy improv in a way that's never been done before. You'd think after all he's accomplished, he'd carry some sort of chip on his shoulder, one that would be well-deserved. But instead, when I texted him to congratulate him on his brand new show, Laugh Mobs Laugh Tracks on True TV... I said, I'm so excited for you, and he texts back, I'm so excited for us. Now I have nothing to do with his new show, but that's who Saif is. He's about the team. So without further rambling, let's get to it. Here's my interview with Saif Sounds at the legendary comedy club, The Comedy Cellar, in New York City. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to do this because you've got like 50 bajillion projects going yes. on right now. Well, thank you for having me, <laughs> Suze. I have to say, it's a little, you know, I'm, I just started doing these interviews and now I'm interviewing somebody that's done interviews and yes. been on the radio for like 20 plus years. So yeah. 
Be kind. But that's okay because um, I just left being interviewed on Howard Stern's channel. Yeah. So that's my favorite interview of all time. So I get your feeling. It can only go down from yeah. here. <laughs> so I kind of really talk about a little bit about your start and about where you are now. Okay. So you came up in the industry um, pretty young yeah. and managed to do what you needed to do to stick around. You yeah. know, talent only gets us so far and you've been able to nurture relationships and and be in this business for two plus decades. So besides your obvious talent, what else do you think you've been able to do to weather the storms and Ooh. still do what you love? That's a kind of triple fold question. First of all, I never treat myself like the talent. So I think that helps a lot because I do like to be in the spotlight when it comes to like either before back in the day it was a lot of DJing. Now it's a lot of DJing and comedy. Um, but I do it because I love it, not because I want to get famous from it. So I don't know. I not that I feel like a fraud, but I definitely don't feel like I never like being treated like the talent. I like being treated like a businessman who also has this skill you know what I'm saying um, so that helps a lot that automatically cuts out my ego um, and cuts out the uh, you know the way people have to treat a celebrity or a star um, and I do it to the extreme because I never want to be looked at as like this kind of like celebrity but I think some people don't do it at all and I think they have to like know that they're their name and their reach as an artist is in, in, not a facade, but it's like your storefront. Right. And you want to keep your storefront clean and wash, but the, the numbers are in the back. You know what I'm saying? So I think people only pay attention to the front. I never understand artists who bitch about doing promo tours. You know, I'm like, oh, we're not getting paid for this. We got to go to da, da, da. Like, yeah, that's how you meet the people so that in two years from now, it goes smoothly, you know? So I think they need to put some of that business sense into their, um, into their daily activity. Now, if you have business people that do all that for you, fine, but make sure you're listening to them. You know what I'm saying? Instead of like always fighting your manager or your publicist or your your agent on what you should be doing. Like I'm not saying do everything they do like a slave, but like know that there's a business to what you're doing. Like learn it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I love that metaphor about the storefront because I definitely think that's true that too many people get caught up with the image or the social media yeah. and like how it's all looking. And it's like, well, who's tending to the yeah. back of the back of the shop where you're making the money. Yeah, if you're missing flights because you're putting up Instagram pictures, something's not right. Like the Instagram pictures make you popular so that you can go do the shows, getting to the shows is the business, you know? <laughs> very, very true. Were you the type of person when you started out in this business, like, did you have this grand vision of what you wanted in the career or were you just hungry for being around, you know, the talent and, and growing those relationships like when you were starting out? Yeah, I never had any grand vision. Um, I still don't. <laughs> uh, the funny thing with me is like, I'm happy to even be making one dollar doing what I love. My only grand vision what the fuck? Shut up. Um, my only grand vision was to not work like a day job. 
that's just I just don't fit in in like an office cubicle type of scenario. Um, so whatever I had my mind focused on, I would work really hard at. But it was small at the time. It was just um, trying to get DJ gigs. I worked in a record shop and I was trying to get DJ gigs and I was happy with that. And I would have been, I would have stayed happy with like working in a record shop in the daytime, DJing at night. Then, um, but with that work ethic, um, I got to meet people like Funkmaster Flex, obviously, who my whole career changed. Basically, he asked me to work at his radio station um, on his radio show for free. And that's where I made sure every single thing he wanted, I got done quickly, efficiently, um, you know, with with the utmost respect to eat, getting sandwiches, getting food, getting coffee, getting uh, putting his records like... He had to have his records set up by a certain time for him to mix. I would set them up as soon as I got there. So that if anything happened, there would be no issue with setting up the stuff. So from there, I think with me personally, like like I said, I also I'm a, I used to be very hard on myself, so I don't look at like I have talent, but I know that I'm super dependable, super likable, and people can count on me. So how I won was um, you know, some other DJ might be better or more popular, but he kept showing up late. Right. And that's a, we're at a business; you can't do that. Yeah. So they're like, "Let's Cypher do." Oh, Cypher, I'm um, filling. Yeah. And then I would do good, and they'd be like, "Hey, you got this." Yeah. And then another thing, another opportunity, another opportunity, and it literally just kept growing from there. And it's all because I was just on point, showed up on time, did my work, and but also working on my talent. Like I practice DJing all the time. Um, and to the point where like I never wanted to be a jock on the radio like talk on the radio but my boss was like I heard you filming for Flex you said a couple funny things you should try to be an air personality radio was never even my goal yeah but it, it, it led, you know, somebody saw something in me and I went forward with it and on and on. I just wanted to be a producer. And I thought hanging out with Funkmaster Flex, I would meet all the artists, give them beats. I sucked at making beats. <laughs> but I got to do all the, I got to be an A&R. I got to like maybe not make the beats, but I get to, I got to find a lot of dope beats and find songs and writers and rappers and singers, and it was my version of you know being a producer. Like you still I still created records. Right. Um. So yeah. So like so then, um, everything I got was like a next step. Um, but I never had the plan from the beginning. I just made sure I always worked right. super hard. So I don't know if that's, I think that might've been my plan. Just yeah, keep that consistent work ethic, even to this day. Yeah. Even to this day. Yeah. I think that's amazing. I, yeah. If you just show up and do what you need to do, be dependable, like you said, and, and treat it like a profession yeah. that you get those opportunities. And yeah, maybe you don't have a plan in terms of where your talent will lie. Right. But other people will see it because they want to support you and they want to see you do good because you're helping them. So yeah, it's definitely like that symbiotic relationship. Yeah. Will Smith told me, I interviewed him once on MTV. Will Smith said he got, he performed at, I think it was, I think he told me three different Super Bowls because somebody was late or didn't show up. 
That's insane. Yeah. And I, from that moment on, I mean, I was already on point before that, right. but from that point on, like, super on point. Yeah. So, like, I do a lot of crazy things. Like, I'll fly into towns a day earlier, even if it's at my cost, right. to make sure I'm there on time or weather or schedule conflicts. Something might throw me off. I, like, try to adjust. Yeah. No, I think that's really important for people to realize because, yeah, like you said, you practice your craft and you work at DJing and you, you still make time for that. But if you're just like, well, I'm talented and people will see me for my talent and I'm just going to blow people off and do what I need to do, you're not going to... There's, there's a bunch of talented people out there. Yeah. People, you have to make it, I always tell clients, like, make it easy for people to work with you. Yeah. Make it easy for people to support you, and it'll happen. Yeah, I, re- I, li- I want people to smile when they see my name pop up on their phone. You know? Right. That's just me, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy starting over. And I've talked on this podcast before about, you know, I quit the same job five times. Yeah. I, I worked in many different <laughs> uh, professions and, and all that stuff. And then, you know, when I became a mindset coach, like that really wasn't existing. And what I love about your career is that, you know, you had to start over, you know, in, in January of 2015 when you, you were done with uh, Hot 97 and you were such a staple there. It's, it's not easy to start over. And certainly when you're doing things that have never been done before, you know, there's no blueprint for what you're doing. No. You're creating the blueprint for yeah. anybody else that might come before you. So That's um, what you mean. when your time with Hot 97 was done, what was this transition like? Like, did you just say, well, fuck it, I'm just going to do what I, I love hip hop and I love comedy. I'm just going to put it together. Or did it kind of unfold in a more natural no, way? Yeah. Like, what was that like? Yeah, it wasn't a plan. So, yeah, so I love Hot 97 and I was lost. Um... I said, I've been doing this comedy thing. I really love it. Comedy takes a very long time to get off the ground. Not as long as it used to, because now there's a lot more opportunities and, and ways you can be seen, but it still takes a long time. And it was a big risk. And I was older. And another thing is, again, like I was telling you before about my ego, I had a big name in one field, and a tiny name in another. And not it, like it's cute when people recognize me as a DJ when I'm doing comedy, but it doesn't make me funnier. I can I could get opportunities to get on stage, maybe a little maybe I have an advantage of being known, but it doesn't matter once you're on stage. You have to be funny. So you could be the most famous person in the world. Julia Roberts could walk in here and everybody would go fucking crazy. And if she's not funny on stage, they're gonna be like, uh, okay. <laughs> it's weird. It's like you have to be funny. So um, I get that from Malcolm X. Uh, when I was young, I read Autobiography of Malcolm X, and it really shaped my life. And he started over three times, like complete 180s. Yeah. And, and he always talks about, like, he didn't feel something was right. It was time to start over. And he literally just dropped everything and start over. And that's very hard to do. I gave up a lot of money. I gave up status and fame to, like, do this other thing. Um, then hooking back up, I always knew Dave Chappelle, but getting closer with him on the comedy level, I would DJ for him sometimes. And then, but I would crack jokes. And I was like, oh, I'm kind of doing both right now. 
and 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 he would love it and his openers people that like donnell rawlings and people would be like yo i love coming out after you because the crowd's already warm they're already laughing and i was like oh i kind of like walked away from music but i didn't i didn't really need to i'm kind of like creating like this double like a hybrid thing um and i don't know anyone who could do it the closest thing the closest thing that i think is nick cannon because he does wild now and he's funny and he djs now um he's still not as good as me fuck off nick um sorry and, and then maybe like um the guy reggie watts which i who i've never seen but i know he does something with like beatbox or something right, some kind of yeah but it's kinda. not you know it's not like you meld the two mediums in such a way that like it's, that's not well no one's ever i don't know anyone who's ever done it with dj right What's that like, though, to go through all of that? Yeah, um, well, here's the thing. A lot of what I notice, a lot of people have too much pride. And when I go back in my younger days, pride was the reason why there was always fights in front of the club. Some, the security didn't let the guy in. The bartender tried to play me. This guy tried to disrespect me. I don't have any of that. You could, like, I'm not going to take straight up disrespect, but I'm just saying, like, if someone doesn't let me in, I don't take it as a personal attack where, like, I think people's anger and pride gets in the way of even following their own dreams. They're like, oh, what are people going to think of me? So I, when I left Hot 97, a lot of people who I thought, oh, my friends disappeared. A lot of promoters that used to book me disappeared. And people thought I was crazy. And then I got the call to audition at the Comedy Cellar. And, I mean, it's nowhere near the same money, but I was in the the Hot 97 of comedy. Right. You know, same way I interned at Hot, I basically interned at the Comedy Cellar. But, uh, you know, a little more status. And when I left Hot 97, I had a pregnant wife. I was about to have no salary, no insurance. And I just took a leap and it's like I've been listening to you know Tony Robbins and Gary V and every other motivational speaker fail harder take a leap believe in yourself all that stuff and you can read all those things but if you don't act on it you know so I just took a leap and I'm happier now than ever yeah you know I think that's awesome I mean I think it's important you know I love that you mentioned about the pride and getting out of your own way with a lot a lot, yeah. a lot of people don't do also the fact that like I said before there was no blueprint so it's not like you did a 180 and you're like I'm going to open up a restaurant Ooh, yeah. and you're like well I'll just follow the steps that somebody else took right. you had to plow the path and yeah. then walk the path right yeah you know? there's books on how to open a restaurant yeah there's courses right. on how to become a mechanic or right. whatever there's no right. blueprint for this right. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, and it was you, scary. Did you find that exciting, or did, were you just like, I just gotta, I got, I just gotta get this? Is it was it just like blind, like perseverance, or do you feed off of that challenge? It's not like in an entrepreneurial way of like trying to succeed in business. It's just like I really like getting on stage. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. So it's more of it's more of a passion, a love passion thing. Yeah. Don't tell anybody this, but I would do it for free <laughs> that's the problem like right. so um yeah it wasn't like a it's super nervous but because i love it it's almost like a you know i i made a decision to never be like depressed or upset 
I mean, sometimes you get that way, but not living my life in that constant, nasty feeling. So my goal is to always find happiness. I find happiness doing stand-up, DJing, and helping other people. So I was just like, I just do that a lot. Right. You know, I don't find happiness in, I don't know, like going to school for accounting. Right. But that's just me. Some people do. Um, so yeah, I just find, try to do the things that makes me happy and like triple down on it. I think that's excellent advice. I, we've got your team here in case you guys are hearing that. <laughs> yeah. So we've got our team around us. And uh, when you left Hot 97, you were building this and... And as it's growing, you're building your team. I know you were on the hunt for interns uh, a little while ago. Yeah. And, you know, you've got the show with True TV and you've got all these people around you, right? Like some yeah. are the people that, you know, title might throw at you or True TV might throw at you. But when it comes to your team, you've got your improv team that you do with Take a Personal at UCB. Yeah. You've got your business team around you. How do you kind of um, navigate that when you decide who you're going to let around you and who you're going to depend on? What are the type of things that you look for mm. with that? Um, well, I'll say first and foremost is like vibe, energy. Yeah. Instantly. Like, if I don't want to hang out with you, I really can't work with you. Because yeah. a lot of our job is hanging out. Um, where back in the day... I was forced to have to work with people I didn't like, and now that's very rare, like, unless it's, like, a big gig or somebody else is there, um, but also, like, I don't, like, this, I like, I love doing improv comedy, and I love doing stand-up, I like improv a little bit more, only because it's a team sport as opposed to stand-up which is a solo sport so i kind of like the team thing because i don't know i just i don't like saying i i like saying we so um everything with me is team and like it's our show we're gonna win you know and um improv is all about that and i like helping other people shine i can't expect everyone to be me but i just need people to be on time yeah if you say you're gonna do something do it and be reliable, dependable. Now, what that means is if you can't show up, let me know you can't show up and just not just not show up. Yeah. 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 So like stuff like that. And it's just like communication. You know, we have a big thing with loyalty and trust, but that is that takes time to see. And you can see who's still around and who's who's not around, you know? I, I have a problem with this because I want everyone to be how I am and everyone's not how I am, but like somewhat close to my standards of punctual and communication. Yeah. And, you know, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, but I think, you know, for the most part, you when you came into this business and into this industry, even as a young teenager and stuff, like you had the principles and the values of like what you knew, yeah. right? You were always going to be on time. Every This is stuff that you've done from the beginning. Yeah. But looking back, were there certain things that now where you're at now, you're like, oh, if I could just tell the younger me this, or if I could just oh, save yeah. myself from a certain pain, like what would that be? Oh, I, I know 100%. And that this came from improv and therapy. I used to be super antisocial, shy, scared. I would have been way further in my comedy career and even DJ career if I just played the game a little more like um, the social game yeah like I'd be scared to go places I never I was scared to fly by myself 
I was scared to go places where I didn't know even the room layout or how this thing goes and I would like be petrified and then I started doing improv comedy and literally everything you fear is like that's what this is you have to jump out and perform a comedy show with no prepared material and I'm like, if I can do that, I can walk into a party and speak to strangers, you know? That was the biggest thing. Like, I should have, I wish I would have got on that earlier and I would have had a lot more friends in the industry. Because, like, I don't know, some, it's weird, like, especially in entertainment, if you don't hang out and play the game, people kind of forget about you. You know, it's like out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. And I was lucky to, when I was on radio, I'd be talking to two million people, but there was no one else in the room. So I got popular off of being like kind of like in my own little box yeah but it's weird because when i would dj all this energy and personality would come out even in a club but like i'd be scared to walk into the club and i'm always even to this day like as soon as i go into a club i stand by the dj booth Mm -hmm. if i go into anything with comedy i stand by the comedians Mm -hmm. and it's just like like like-minded people but i'm way better now than i used to be And I still get the little hint of fear, but I don't let it control me. I passed up a lot of opportunities when I was younger. I don't drink or smoke. Like I'm not telling you to be nuts. Just like introduce yourself more, network more. Yeah play the game yeah i mean a lot of our listeners um struggle with that i mean i get emails all the time just saying you know i want to pursue my music or i want to do this or i want to do that and they're not at the conferences they're not doing this and i feel you on that because i am incredibly shy i'd rather just be by myself with yeah. my dog like <laughs> chilling on the couch yeah. but you know uh, my coach had taught me too like all right go meet three people and when yeah. you met those three people you can leave right but like setting those little milestones yes that know? helps yeah yeah and sometimes i'd be like all right i'm going for half an hour right exactly and then i'll end up being there for two hours but Mm -hmm. you gotta like just you know have your foot in the door (laughs) and here's the other thing i walk in and it doesn't feel right i'll leave at a half an hour Mm -hmm. like you have that right to like give yourself permission i'll do a lap and be like it's not i don't it's not right something's not right but that's another i don't i'm very big on energy and vibe and if the energy is not right i leave and it's funny because a lot of times i don't want to get all mystical but a lot of times i'll leave and then some i've read the next day something happened right and i think i I think most people have that they just don't they're not in tune with it right exactly you know but that's all you know I don't know if it's animal instinct or... And you can see the writing on the wall. I mean, and I think it's also about you're somebody who can, who's learned how to give themselves permission. Like, it's not like, oh, I'm not feeling this, but I'm going to sit here and force myself because then you're going to be giving a miserable person as an introduction yeah, to other people. That's true. You know? yeah, yeah. And so you know when to call it and go home and yeah. it's probably all for the better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for, for sure. So on Gary Vee's show... You mentioned being able to connect with audiences um, in different ways. I mean, I remember, I think like, you were making a joke about being on Long Island and being yeah. able to, like, speak white yeah. and get, like, the whole... So, you know, do you consider that part of your talent, like, being yeah. able to read a room? And does it just come naturally, or are there certain things that you do when you walk in a room that you're looking for? I don't know if it's natural or not. One of the biggest compliments I've gotten my whole career is being able to read a room. <laughs> when I first started DJing, 
like when I was in the tunnel and I was the first DJ, like I was there at nine o'clock because it was 500 girls free and the line of girls was down the block. I'm not playing all Nas joints when it's 400 girls in the club that we got to wait until 12 o'clock before it really gets popping. So like I really started getting into my R&B mode. You know what I'm saying? To this day, sometimes girls will randomly walk up to me in the street and be like, yo, I used to love the tunnel like 10 o'clock, all R&B. And it was just like I was reading the room. Right. And I think once I learned I was good at it, I paid more attention to it. Right. Okay. But I also think that um, I'm just a very curious person. Okay. So I think what used to be my flaws, mm -hmm. like being shy and being nervous and all that stuff, actually turned out to be a tool for reading the room because I would look around first and I think when it came uh, it became like a second nature thing and then so like now I'm DJing and there's a hundred people dancing and one person not I'm like why is she not dancing and I see she has on like a you know back then she had on like a triple five soul hoodie I'm like oh she wants some daylight right and then I find a way that play keep what I was doing going to play that song for her and get so also I love cop shows like Columbo so I think I'm like a detective I used to have a curse and my therapist told me it wasn't a curse it was a gift so I'm super hyper aware about other people's feelings mm -hmm. right that's just how I am. high empathy yeah high empathy yeah. okay and then when someone's upset I can see it right away mm -hmm. and I jump on it and try to help and then when I was upset, nobody was helping me. Mm -hmm. And it would make me feel like I was lesser and I wasn't valued because I'm like, well, I look how you looked last week, right. but you're not asking me what's wrong with me. Yeah. So I went to my therapist and I explained that over years. It's not yeah, a one-time yeah. thing, yeah, it's yeah, years. I was like, how come everyone has this skill and no one's asking me what's wrong with me? She goes, not everyone has that skill. Exactly. Oh, I'm getting it's a gift. Yeah. The same thing with my therapist. Yeah. Like, same exact thing. And I didn't realize, she's like, that's, she's like, you're looking at it as a curse, yeah. but it's a gift. Mm -hmm. and and like, it's an energy draining gift. Yeah. Well, now, now I don't mind it as much because I know yeah. but she was like you want that back and that's not normal yeah. but in my mind it was always normal exactly. so that being said yeah. when I now flip it and use it as a gift I realized I was very good at reading the room as a DJ and then now as I do comedy it works also that's why I think DJing and comedy is very similar timing reading the room knowing your audience so like if it's a rowdy Saturday night midnight crowd I come on yelling what's up let's do this if it's Monday 7pm I'm like hey y'all because it's like older people and it's like you know, th these people probably have to go to work tomorrow. Right. So they came to the early show. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I know how to read it. What I think is so important about that, like when I go to your take a personal shows, like you've got, you know, a rapper come and tell stories and then you guys make an improv show about it. Some rappers, you know, they're out of their elements. So, oh, yeah. you know, I've seen them get up, like, and real famous, well known people, like, get up and they're, like, nervous. Oh, they're on new territory. Yeah. And I see you just, like, immediately know when to jump in. You make them feel at home. Yeah. You get that story out. Out of them you're like the barbara walters of improv yeah. like, you know, you're like, get those out of them so they feel comfortable 
yeah, and I, yeah, that's definitely like when I watch the video footage back sometimes, I'm like, whoa, that guy was very nervous, and somehow I put a blanket around exactly. him. Exactly. <laughs> no, I swear, you can like see. Yeah, it. and it's yeah. crazy, and like I don't know. I think you see it more than other people. Well, because it is, it's an empath thing, like, yeah. and and that is, it's definitely a very hard lesson to learn. But once you learn it, and like you said, set those boundaries that you're so intuitive and you so see the emotion of other people, like you said, not everybody is like that. Yeah. And that's a very hard thing to have. And it is a gift, but you have to then set your expectations yeah. and know oh. that, you know, once you realize that not everybody has that, you start to not feel so neglected. There's a book called The Four Agreements. One of my favorite. I wrote them on my wall. Yeah. I painted them on my wall. The, the, the chapter about not taking things oh, personal. I mean, my whole <laughs> I, I I hate when people say, oh, that book changed my no, life. It, it literally... It's 80 pages. It, yeah, that book, but that chapter, yes. I mean, I literally can mark that day in my life, right. in my mind, as night and day. Mm-hmm. Don't take things personal. When no one asks me how I'm doing, it right. doesn't bother me where it used to right. crush me. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Now I'm going to ask you some quick four questions I ask every guest. Don't have to think too hard about it. Whatever comes to mind. Okay. You've got an opportunity, this could be comedy, music, anything, to collaborate with one person or group for the day. Who are you on tour with or who are you sharing a stage with? What what is that? uh, I know everybody gets so... I hate it. I know. And there is no right or wrong answer. I know, there's not. I'm going to go, I'm going to go Donald Glover. I'm going to go Donald Glover. The reason why is because I don't have to choose if I want to do music or comedy. Okay. The guy can do it all. Love Donald Glover. Yeah. All right. You got one extra hour in the day. You can do whatever you want with it. What do you do? I watch TV. (laughs) I watch TV. I watch live PD on A&E. I watch a lot. I love, 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 love watching TV. And sometimes I feel guilty. And I was like, because some people are like, oh, TV wastes your brain. But like, it's my thing. I love it. And not for creators, I feel like. Like, I get that a lot from the entrepreneurial world yeah. when I look at stuff like Gary Vee and all that stuff. But I feel like when I need to create something, I have to escape to TV. Yeah. And that really helps me. TV is amazing nowadays, yo. Oh, it's great. So, what I tell people all the time is, you know, if. You could get a no when you go after something, but if you never ask, the answer is always no. Yeah. So I'm all about making requests and making, you know, stating your big, scary ask, putting it out there. Yeah. And you never know who's listening. You never know who can help bridge the gap that you're looking for. Yeah. So what would you say right now in your life is your big ask? What would you like to uh, make happen? There's a lot. lot there's on. a lot. But <laughs> right now, just because because I've been working on it. I want to meet and work with Marcus Lemonis. Mm-hmm. You know him, the prophet on CNBC. So, if anybody has any connections with Marcus Lemonis, um, I really like his style and what he does, and I want to work with him. Awesome. There yeah. you go. And so every week, I've got a call to action. I usually have a download, like checklist or worksheet or all yeah. that stuff. With the interviews, there's really no worksheet or checklist. So I ask the guests 
Give our audience one actionable. What would you like them to go do when they're done listening to this episode? Hmm. Okay, I mean, follow me, of course. That's regardless. <laughs> at Cypher Sounds. I appreciate any follow. Anybody all, that even... All links in the show notes, guys. Be sure yeah. to go check that out. Um, but what I would like, if every person is nice and helpful to one other person... This world would be an incredibly different and better place. And I can't solve the world's problems. But I know there's a lot of kids who worked for me and who I would give money out of my pocket. And not even a lot. Like, it would intern for me, work for free for the experience. And paid it forward instead of just trying to keep it all for myself and they're all like not all like but some people can't handle it but right. people have blown up dj drewski for example he's a very popular dj on hot 97 19 years old he met me it was like i want to what can i do i was like you can drive me around you can get sandwiches because we live in new york i can't park everywhere i gotta run in and run out of places if you're sitting in the car you're a huge help and at the time it probably looked like he was doing shit work and now he's like he's super popular, makes yeah. crazy money. Yeah. Now building all this other stuff. So, but pay it forward. That's all. Like take someone under your wing. Whatever you do, whatever it is, take someone under your wing. I love it. Well, I can't thank you enough. It's been, you know, everything that I I talk about and brag about about you in the intro is, you know, right on point. I mean, you you live up to the expectations and I just thank you for sharing all that with us. Man, I hope it was helpful to somebody and thank you for having me and I appreciate your help. Your book, your planning system has changed my life. And now I listen to your podcast. I'm not gonna listen to this one. I can't listen to myself. You know I do I used to do a very popular podcast called Juan Epstein. Yes. It's known it's a fact, like if you're a fan of the podcast, you've heard me say I've never listened to the podcast. (laughs) But thank you. Man, I am still so inspired by that conversation and I hope now you are as well. I wanna thank Cypher Sounds for taking the time to talk with me and for always being incredible to work with and chill with. And listen, there's no blueprint for being a musicpreneur, so I hope this inspires you to go build your own. I also want to embarrass him a little bit and wish him the happiest of birthdays, as his birthday is the day after this episode goes live. So happy birthday, Saif. To help wish him a happy birthday, give yourself a gift by going to therockstaradvocate.com forward slash EP20 to check out the latest in comedy and hip-hop brought to you by Saif himself. If you enjoyed what you learned today, you can access all current episodes using your preferred podcast app, including iTunes and Spotify, or by visiting therockstaradvocate.com forward slash podcast. Now, if you're looking to get clarity on your next steps, find time to balance everything on your plate, or if you'd like to learn how to connect better with your fans, let's talk. Feel free to email me anytime, suz, S-U-Z, at therockstaradvocate.com. Until next time, Rockstar, have a wonderful week, and I hope to see you back here next Wednesday so we can get grounded to get rising. Take care.